You steal my identity, I steal your cars. Our 40-something-year-old neighbor, Frank Smith, has a brother, three years older, named Fred, with the two similar in looks and in build. Apparently, these boys were not obedient children and got into trouble a lot. Frank mostly straightened up by the time he reached 21 years old, but Fred kept at it with the drinking, the pills, the multiple DUIs. While the two were still living at home with their parents in their early 20s, Frank happened to leave his wallet on the kitchen counter one night after coming home from a night out. The next morning, he discovered his ID was wasn't in his wallet. Thinking he must have left it at the bar the night before, he tried locating it but with no luck. Not thinking much about it, he just got a new ID. Fast forward a year or so and Frank gets a phone call. It's his uncle whose son works at the county jail. Fred has been arrested and their cousin happened to see him when he was getting booked under the name Frank Smith. It turns out Fred had given the police Frank's name and ID and was going to jail on Frank's identity. Needless to say, Frank was pissed. He went down to the jail to prove he was Frank and that Fred was the liar. Fred was ultimately sentenced to serve time and stay put. During that time Fred was in jail, Frank received a letter in the mail from the state BMV. It said that his two vehicles, an Audi sedan and a VW Bug, were due for emission checks. Frank was confused because he only owned a truck. He went to the BMV and discovered that these two vehicles were indeed titled in his name. That's when Frank realized his brother Fred, who had lost the right to own a vehicle due to excessive DUIs, used his identity to register these cars. So now for the revenge. Frank asked how much it would cost to get duplicates of the titles. $8 each. So he paid $16 and walked away with title documents for two cars. He knew enough of his brother's friends to start calling around in search of the cars, lo and behold, he located them at different locations. Frank is a knowledgeable mechanic and could start these cars without keys, but he knocked on the door of each house where the cars were. He explained to each person that he owned the title to the car, showing them the document and gave them the opportunity to remove their belongings from the vehicle before he took it. They understood and didn't push back, taking their things out of the car and handing him the keys. Frank proceeded to sell both the cars and pocket around $3,000 for all his troubles. The good news is, after his stint in jail, Fred got sober and became someone Frank could actually be friends with. A brother doing this to his own sibling is pretty sad. I mean, he obviously wanted to own cars and lost the ability to own any cars, but if it was really that big of a deal, he probably could have talked to his brother and figured something out instead of just stealing his ID and then going through an entire life like this, ultimately ending up in jail. And even in that moment, he still could have said, oh, I don't have my ID or my name is this or whatever. But he still tried to throw his own brother under the bus, which ultimately backfired because I'm sure there must be some sort of further penalty for lying about who you are and trying to get out of it. And now he's going to be sentenced to serve however much extra time because of that. Selling the cars for the $3,000, although it is a lot of money, doesn't really set everything right here because you still have to live knowing that your brother would do something like this to you, which is just sad. But let me know what you would do if you're in this situation. And is Frank the jerk or not for doing what he did here? My cousin stole loads of jewelry, so I stole his inheritance. First off, I do not speak lawyer, so please forgive me for what I'm about to say. This is the backstory. 25 years ago, my aunt passed away when I was a baby, leaving my two cousins who were both in their early 20s alone to fend for themselves. My grandparents, who were very wealthy, put a clause in their will that grandkids will receive half 
half of their share of inheritance if a parent passes before the children reach age 30, and then the other half when my grandparents eventually pass away. Both my cousins received a very sizable inheritance coupled with the money they got from selling my aunt's house. The younger of the two paid off her college loans and was able to buy property. She still lives on the same plot of land. The older sibling blew all of his money straight out of a book of the Bible. Within six years, he was back to living in a condo working as a police officer. Everyone in our small family knew he had a substance issue, so he was barely making ends meet with his officer salary and buying copious amounts of drugs. The next four years, my cousin went to rehab three times, sponsored by my grandparents. He sobered up after getting his girlfriend, now wife, pregnant. She is an absolutely wretched woman. She saw my grandparents as a payday and essentially baby trapped my cousin, thinking it was her ticket. Within seven years, they had three kids, so she is locked in tight. She's a nurse with three kids around. They always need a little boost. Guess who they would always ask? You got it, my grandparents. Being the kind spirits they are, they always lended a hand. My father, mother, sister, and I got sick of it very quickly. My grandmother unfortunately passed away when I was 17, leaving my grandpa as the last remaining. I was undoubtedly my grandfather's favorite among the grandkids, which left a real sore spot in the mouth of my cousin and his wife. I had two more years at home before college, so I lived with my grandpa to keep him company and help take care of him. My cousin and his wife hated this so much that whenever they came to visit and I was not home, they would send their three gremlins into my room to destroy it. My room had double doors, so it could not be locked. This was the start. The longer I lived there, the more they would mess with me. My cousin even went as far as to place one of those little mechanical noisemakers in the cabinet in my room, the ones that play sounds at random random intervals to make you think that you are insane. Thankfully, my German shepherd would always hear it and after a week or so, she finally found it. They did this to distance me and deter me from taking care of my grandpa so they could swoop in and be the heroes. This continued until one of the kids found, in quotes, my gun. By this time, I was 18 in possession of a firearm. I use quotations because my grandfather has guns but cannot aim and shoot them anymore due to his arthritis and nerve degeneration. So when I moved in, he placed all the weapons in my hands should the need of self-defense arise. But should he see them out for any reason other than cleaning, there would be hell to raise. Being very well trained with guns and having a sense of pride in defending my home, I took this responsibility very seriously. I always kept a handgun in a locked container in my night stand with the key on a high shelf out of reach of the gremlins. One fateful day, I am out getting my grandfather food when I come in and my older cousin and his wife and my grandfather are staring at a gun on the table. It was my gun that I kept in the lockbox. It was loaded and had one chambered. I always kept a magazine in the lockbox but never loaded it. The lockbox was nowhere to be found. My cousin claimed one of the children had found it and was playing with it. I was 100% certain that he either found the key or broke the lockbox open to get it and a six-year-old will not be able to reach the key that I could barely grab and figure out what it was for. Load it and chamber it. I tried my best to explain what my cousin had said was nonsense and that I would never keep my arms loaded in the house. But my cousin, who is a cop, scolded me on gun safety and threatened to have me arrested if I didn't leave and hadn't arrested me yet because we're family. I was asked to collect my belongings and go back to my parents. My cousin had won, or so he thought. The next day, I apologized to my grandpa and explained to him that there was no way that one of the kids could have gotten the key. He agreed with me and then he apologized, but he thought it was best I move out until things cooled down 
down, but once they do, I would be welcome back. Our relationship was a little fractured due to disinformation provided by my cousin. A month later, my grandfather died of a heart attack at 86 years old and I was devastated. I was just beginning to get back into the rhythm with him, rebuilding the trust that was somewhat shattered. And to this day, I'm still unsure what kind of man he saw me as due to my cousin. Immediately, my cousin and his wife began sucking up to my dad as they had sealed a payday with grandpa. It was time to move on to the uncle. This persisted for a month or two and I wouldn't stand for it. Then came time for the will. My grandfather's lawyer read out the will to me, my father, my mother, and my sister in our home. Our two cousins would be briefed individually on their share of the estate per my grandparents' request. Then the miracle line in the will comes to fruition. And this was it. If anyone attempts to claim any part of the estate that is not assigned to them, they forfeit any assets they are supposed to receive and will be divided equally among the remaining family members. This was basically their way of saying, if you try to claim more than you're given, you will get nothing. My father is supposed to receive every piece of physical property aside from two or three items that he set aside for me. From my grandparents, as he is the only remaining child. So here is the revenge. I hatched my plan. I called my cousin and told him all of my grandma's jewelry was to be donated to a charity auction. Grandma's collection of gems and medals was extensive to say the least, so a charity event wouldn't care if a few pieces didn't make it, right? It was lure of gargantuan proportions that my greedy jerk of a cousin could not resist. He bit right on it and headed over to my grandparents' house ASAP determined to snatch up as much as he could. A handful would send his kids to college. Regardless of what I said, the jewelry was never going to go with him anyways. So his actions were purely his own since none of it was destined to be his. Coincidentally, dad was on his way with the lawyer to my grandparents' house to overlook everything, all the formalities. According to my dad's testimony, my cousin had three shoe boxes worth of grandma and grandpa's jewelry piled on the kitchen counter ready for loading in his car. My dad and the lawyer stood in the kitchen wondering why it was all there when my cousin walks in from my grandparents' room with a fourth and final shoebox. The jig was up and he put two and two together that I set him up, which was true, but there was no penalty against me for exploiting my cousin's greed that would eventually screw himself over. It's worth noting that between the 18 years from my aunt's death and my grandpa's death, their wealth had increased several times over, so my cousin felt cheated and expected to receive just as much as my sister and I, despite receiving half of his already and blowing it. Throughout this whole ordeal, his younger sister, my other cousin, has not had a problem at all and is still weeping over our grandpa's death like the rest of us. However, just like that, my cousin lost enough money in the course of 30 minutes that made him contemplate his sanity over greed. My cousin's cruel wife apparently filed for divorce a few weeks later. We haven't heard from him in nearly six years and he is all but disgraced now. You can call this a fairy tale ending and on this particular part of the story, it somewhat is. There is a massive lawsuit by an unknown family member involving the IRS and FBI later on, but honestly, I would rather have my grandparents. So was I the jerk for setting up my cousin and making him lose his inheritance? This sounds like a very dysfunctional family, all the way back from when the cousin had his kid supposedly find the arms in his house in order to disgrace the OP in front of his grandfather, all the way to what the OP had to do to his cousin with this whole setup situation with the jewelry. It seems like in all these inheritance stories, there's always something that goes wrong. It feels like inheritances themselves tend to break up a family more than most things do. Family members in these situations tend to turn against each other when they would normally never do something 
something like that. But the idea of getting money oftentimes changes people. Some of the top responses said, imagining your cousin walking into the kitchen with that box of jewelry and seeing everyone standing there makes me smile so much. This is referring to the fourth shoe box of jewelry, of course. And then I'm sorry you weren't able to live with your grandfather in his last moments, but it sounds like he knew what was going on. You're lucky to have had such a close relationship with him. And that's true. At least the grandfather seemed like he was on the same page as the OP because that really seems like what is what's painting the OP the most is how his grandfather saw him in his last moments of life. But based on what we saw here, the grandfather basically said, hey, I know what's going on. Just wait for things to cool down and you're welcome to come back. And then from there, somebody else said that. And I love the thought that if he wasn't so greedy, he could have gone out of there with a shoebox or two full of jewelry before anyone arrived. That is so true. I mean, he had to go get all four of these shoeboxes when I think the OP said that if he had one or two of these boxes, it could have paid for his kid's college, but he wanted all of them. Still a hefty payday and they would have kept their inheritance, but he had to just keep going back for more and more and more until he got caught. I think there is some animal, I forgot what it was, but it's an animal that the way you trap it is by putting something that it wants and it gets caught because once it gets the thing that it wants, maybe it's food or something, it just won't let go. It's not that it's stuck. It just won't let go of the thing. So if you guys know what animal this is, I just can't remember it. Let me know down below. And lastly, to kind of speak to the actions of that shoebox that he just couldn't keep getting, somebody broke down a little bit of the math where they said that he probably thought that he could get away with the four boxes, so why stop at just the two? Let's think about the value of these shoeboxes. OP said a handful would be enough to send the kids to college. Let's assume for exaggeration and that it would be enough for one kid's college. A shoebox worth would be more than enough for all three kids. Now, if this is the United States, then that would have been hundreds of thousands of dollars per shoebox. We can rule out most European Union countries since college tuition is mostly free. In my country, it isn't free, but it is heavily subsidized. For three kids, if they are local, that would run you about $100,000 without any further subsidy. That's still $100,000 per shoebox. Now, for most people, an extra $400,000 is a lot of money. If it's the US, that's a few million and lesser in countries with cheaper education. I don't know what jewelry would be that expensive still, but greed is one hell of a motivator. So with all that said, let me know what you would do if you're in this situation and is the OP a jerk or not?